Good? I'm going to talk not very long today. I always say that and I end up going longer than I think. I'm learning. That my dad used to say, I've just got a word from the Lord. I don't really have a whole sermon today. And we always knew what that meant. It's like an hour later. No, I'm just playing. I will not do that. Um, I'll only say what he tells me to say and then we'll be done. So, um, Lord, I just ask that you would bless this, this time, that you would open our hearts to hear, and that, that the power of the word would find lodging place that it would produce fruit, and we thank you for it. Amen. Today, I went, last week we talked about a moral revolution, and I don't, I don't do this. I'm not like a, a promoter or things like that, but if you were not here, I, I would encourage you to, to sign up for a, a CD copy of last week's message. It's about a moral revolution. It's about the favor of holiness, the favor of morality that comes with God, and I would highly recommend getting it because as a church, it's our view, and it's what we want to do. We want our demonstration to match what we say. And um, so I would just highly recommend getting that. And I kind of just want to carry that theme over into today just a little bit. And I want to talk about the quest for significance. The quest for significance. And I think that if every one of us in this room was completely honest, we don't want to live on this earth and look back and not see any of our footprints. How many would say that? You don't want to live on earth and, and, and look back and, and see no footprints that you were even there. I believe that every one of us wants to leave something more than carbon footprints, <laughs> right? We want to leave a legacy. We want to accomplish something. We want to do something with our life that matters, that means something. And I think all of us, wh whether we know how to pursue it or not, we're all on a quest for significance. If I ask everyone here what it meant to be significant or what it meant to really make a difference or leave a footprint, I bet everyone here would have a variation of a different answer. There would be a common theme, but we'd all say different things. Some people would say lots of children that love the Lord. Some people would say uh, successful business. Some people would say I was a good father or a good husband or a good mother or whatever it is. And we would all have these things that we define as significance. But I want to today talk about a kingdom perspective of what real significance is and that it's the quest that every one of us should be on, the quest for kingdom significance. Um, there's a sermon that I taught at our other church a couple of years back, and I, call, I entitled it 1% Tips the Scale. And, and it was the thought pattern of this uh, is that all it takes to change something is one person. All it takes to create a momentum in one direction or another is one person to step up and say, I'll do it. I mean, perfect example, Queen Esther. One person changed the whole kingdom. Daniel, one person changed the whole kingdom. Jesus, one man changed the whole world for eternity. One person. And you even look through scripture and, and, and he says, I looked around the earth and I sought for a man or a woman. He didn't say a group of people, a bunch of people, tons of people, millions of people. I looked for a person to stand in the gap, to make up the hedge. In other words, to, to be that bridge between sowing and reaping for man, for, to bring reconciliation between God and man. He looked for one person. And what you and I do is sometimes we buy into the world system that majority rules. Where if you're in a group of people and you want to go out to eat, whatever the majority says is where you go eat. And if you don't like it, you either go there or you go get another group of people and go somewhere you want to go and you dictate where you go, right? But majority rules. Growing up in, in, in school, you learn majority rules. We're in a democ democratic society. Majority rules. 
right? Yet in our system, a minority of people, and and I'm talking about a, a small number of people, continually shape governmental policy. They, they say there's between 3 and 5% of our nation that lives a homosexual lifestyle, yet they have made more impact in the last 15 years on our society than the kingdom of heaven has. A smaller percentage of people have made more of a difference because they believe in that we can tip the scale thing. Now, I want to say this, just, that topic's so easy to hit because it's a lightning rod topic. We don't ever hate homosexuals or any sin, sinful lifestyle. We don't hate the people. We absolutely love them. And if we love them enough, we believe it will cause transformation. It's the kindness of God that brings people to repentance. And so this 1% tips the scale is a truth. In this room today, There could have been an atmosphere of gloom. There could have been an atmosphere of depression. And one of you, one in this audience, could have begun to release the the, the, the worship before the Lord, release their heart before God, and it would have changed the whole atmosphere in this room. It's absolutely true. One person can shift an atmosphere. Do you know that from 600 B.C. until now, until they, they did this survey between 600 before Christ and 1900 after his death or after the year of our Lord. In that time span, 2,500 years, over 23 billion people have been born and lived on the face of the earth. 23 billion people. That's a lot of people in 2,500 years. Do you know that only 3,000, less than 3,000 of them framed the society we see today? 23 billion people were alive, but only 3,000 of them actually impacted the way we do life right now. There was a Thomas Edison. There was an Albert Einstein. There was a Rosa Parks. There was a Martin Luther King Jr. One person. One person can tip the scale. Yet you and I buy into this lie that we're insignificant, that we can't make a difference, that the the pressures of the ungodly world around us are too strong for one of us to make a difference. Darkness cannot stop light. Period. If the room is completely dark, a light is lit, The darkness cannot even argue with the light and say, but there's way much more darkness in this room than you are. You have to wait. You need to get a few more lights together. When you get enough lights together, we'll give in. We buy into this, and you see it. We want to gather a million people to go to Washington, D.C. to pray against abortion. And then we know, oh, if we can just get a million people together and go to Washington and pray that the abortion thing is turned over, that if we get that number of a million people, then we've got a majority, and God will hear us because of our number of people. When all God is looking for is a man or a woman to stand up and say, God, this is not your will. Because when you begin to stand, and I begin to stand, and you begin to stand, all of a sudden, like I said earlier, we begin to dwell in unity. There, become, there comes this, this momentum created that cannot be stopped by anything. In Acts chapter 17, I want to read this. This is one of the cool scriptures. Thank you. Acts chapter 17, verse 6. 
This is talking about Paul and Silas and some of the apostles. It says, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have now come here. The apostles, these men who have turned the world upside down have now come to our place. And they were angry and they were looking for them to try to silence them and stop them from proclaiming the name of Jesus. This was an, this was an ungodly society. It was a pagan society. Yet everywhere the apostles went, people were saved, healed, delivered. Just like everywhere Jesus went, people were saved, healed, and delivered. And now the city officials are freaking out. They're going to believers' house and saying, hey, where are these men that have turned the world upside down? We know they're here. <laughs> Later on in Acts, in, chapter, in Acts chapter 4, earlier in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says, these people perceived that the apostles were ignorant and unlearned. They weren't intelligent people. But they knew that they had been with Jesus. How did a group of, a band of crazy rebels who fought with each other, read the, the, the Gospels, there's a, constantly a little battle, power struggle within these, these, these uh, apostles, disciples at the time. They're fighting for who's going to sit at his right hand, who's going to sit at his left hand. Oh, and Peter's pulling out his sword and cutting people's ears off. And then he's cussing about, no, I don't know Jesus, beep, 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 you know, doing the, all this stuff. And then, there, then there's some that believe and some that don't believe and some that go into hiding and some that are discouraged. The, this group of men of fishermen and tax collectors and all different kinds of people. These people turn the known world upside down because they had been with Jesus. They learned significance wasn't in their title or their position or the place of authority that they had. Significance was being in the place with Jesus. So I want you to redefine significance in your life. Significance isn't how much money you have, how many toys you can accumulate. Significance is, can you learn to be with Jesus? Can you learn what it means to walk with the Lord? I heard a prophetic word recently that said that, that the, the anointing of Enoch is being released upon the earth. And what that means, Enoch, how many ever heard the story of Enoch? The Bible says that he lived all these days of his life and then he was just gone. He never died. He just went on to be with Jesus. He was just transported into heaven because he walked with God all the days of his life. I mean, think that's a pretty cool kind of setup right there. Walk with the Lord all the days of my life. Don't have to go through the pain and suffering of death, and then I'm just with Jesus. The Lord is releasing the ability in, in this room for us to learn what it means to walk with Jesus. See, true significance is measured on who you spend time with. <laughs> Who's behind you? <laughs> That's what true significance is. See, people who add faith to hearing the word of God, they shift atmospheres. I want you to hear that. I was recently talking about someone here in our church, and I don't want to call names right now in this time. I just want you to know that we were just speaking glowingly. Of this couple, just I can't believe the turnaround and the things that God's doing. Just unbelievable. Night and day, what God's doing. Amazing stuff. And it hit me why I've seen such tra transformation. Because every time they hear the word of the Lord, they add faith to it. 
every time. They just believe when God speaks. They believe when they hear the word of God. And when you add faith to hearing the word of the Lord, it cannot help but transform your life and make you significant. When, you, when we learn to live that way, Lord, I have to be with you. And then when, when you speak, I add faith to whatever you say, Lord, I believe it. I buy into that. I, pour, I push all my chips in on whatever you're saying. I'm all in with whatever you say, Lord. When we do that, we become people of significance. And even rules and things that would have kept us out of places of authority, places of, of, of power and position, will be broken because of the significance of being with Jesus. Do you know that the apostles and some of the disciples, they stood before kings? Paul stood before kings and testified of who Jesus was. Other people, Peter, stood before chief officials and governors and kings of regions. They stood before them. Paul, Peter, guys, that, so Paul was a little bit more deserving because he was, he was trained and he was kind of, but then you had guys like Peter that were just fishermen, and they got to go before kings and argue about the kingdom, about God and his goodness. In Proverbs, it says a man's gifts will make room for him. 23 billion people, only 3,000 of them made a, a, a big mark on society. It only takes one. Everyone say it only takes one. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we'll, we'll close it up here. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Remember this scripture. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. How many times have you heard the managing your heart thing here? Over and over again. Man looks at the outward appearance. What can you perform? What can you produce? That determines significance. What can you produce? God's value system says, what's in your heart? Your heart is what determines significance. And you know what happens? When our heart becomes pure and when we begin to pursue him and love him and become right with him, that place of, 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 of intimacy with him creates favor with him and with man. We talked about that more last week about how to change culture and shift cultures. It comes from being with him in the secret place. In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it's talking about David. And think of the things David did. Awesome stuff, some bad stuff, right? He had a man killed, had an adulterous affair, had a child out of wedlock, lied about it. He did some other things that he shouldn't have done. Yet in Acts chapter 13, verse 22... It says that God called David a man after his own heart. I want you to redefine significance. It's not about production. It's not about what you can do. It's about who you know. It's about who you spend time with. It's about the condition of your heart. It's about who your heart beats for. If we can get that down, if we can learn the secret of, of significance of just pursuing him, then God will not just give us favor with him and his face will light up, but then all of a sudden we'll gain favor with those around us, favor with God and with man. How many believe that? How many want favor with God and with man?
How many think about the things going on in our world system and the government? And it just seems like if you want to look at the negative, you can point out a lot of negative stuff right now, right? There's a lot of things that, man, as a church, as a Christian, we don't like. And we sit here and we complain about it and we do this and we do that. And we have the ability to change it all. We have the opportunity, the invitation by God to transform society. Actually, we have a command from God to do it. The gospel of the kingdom, this is what Jesus said to them. He says, now go make disciples of the nations. Whole nations. <laughs> Hello? We good? Go and make disciples of nations. How do you disciple nations if you don't have favor with the nations? If you don't have the favor of God in, in, in legislation and stuff like that? We have to learn how to do that as a church. In the next few weeks... You're going to hear more talk about this. There's, we're going to hear about the seven mountains of society. You're going to hear us talk about how we infiltrate and change governmental systems. We're going to talk about this a lot because I'm all about it. I believe it with all my heart. Not so that we can rule and reign on earth and be like, oh, look at us, the church. We've got power and authority. That's not what it's for. It's because there's a favor that comes with God. There's blessing that comes with righteousness. Amen? In Psalm, well, I'm going to close with this, Psalm 112. I'm going to read 1 through 8. Psalm 112, verses 1 through 8. It says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his laws. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. For the gracious and compassionate and righteous men, good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. <laughs> he will have no fear of bad news. Hello? <laughs> he will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph over his enemies. This is for us as a church. This is for you as a believer. You'll have no fear of bad news. But the key to this whole thing here is an upright and a righteous man finds favor and blessing from the Lord that can't be taken away from him to where even in darkness, light shines for a righteous and an upright person. Some of you live in dark situations. Some of you are, are facing difficult times. Difficult things going on, things you don't have solutions to. Find the secret place with God, spend time with Him, and even in darkness, light will begin to shine for you. Amen? There's, there's, there's some things that we teach here, things that are just core beliefs that we believe. God is good. Everyone say it with me God is good, nothing is impossible. We fight from victory, not for victory. In other words, the devil's already defeated. That's why we fight, because he's, he's already defeated, and he's still trying to act like he's not. So we're angry. We want to take every bit of authority that's ours. And number four is, I am significant. You say that. I am significant. 
Every one of you in this church, every one of you in this room, everyone that, that you're connected to, you're significant to God, you're significant to other people in this room. You are important, you matter. There are things inside of you that some of you, we talked about this three or four months back, that you're locked up inside and you need to be unlocked. The Lord wants to unlock you because everything that's in you is so valuable to everyone around us. You're so important. There's not one person in this room that's more important to God or to, to the church here than, than the other person. Everyone here is important to God. You're valuable. You carry significance. Why? Because you can touch the heart of God in a way I can't. You can, you can reach out and, 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 and pull on God's heart in a way that I can't reach him. Because it's your personal time. It's your personal relationship and connection with him that I don't have. You can pull things and make things happen that I can't make happen. So don't sit here in these seats and feel insignificant. Don't sit here and feel like you can't change anything or the things around, or you're a, you're a product of your society and you can't change them. You're a victim. Don't think that way. I'm not saying everyone here does, but maybe someone does. Maybe someone right now in this room feels like, I can't change this. I, I don't have the ability to do it. Maybe so-and-so can do it. Maybe if I had this gift, I could do it. No, you have everything you need right now inside of you. And you are significant Man, I don't want to look back and say, man, was I even there? <laughs> what did I do to make things better? Did I even make an impact? How many don't want to look? <laughs> say 1% tips the scale. That's all it takes is one person, one person, one person. Why don't you stand? The key to being significant is not in pursuing rewards, but in pursuing him. He's the prize. Everyone say, he's the prize. He's the prize. When we get him, we get everything. <laughs> when we get him, we get everything, man. Everything we need. You know, sometimes when, um, when you're a smaller number of people, you feel insignificant. Man, if we had 1,000 members in our church, we could really change this community. Is that true? There, there might be a possibility of making more impact, but it only happens when every individual in that church steps in and pulls Amen? <laughs> In most places, 20% pull and the 80% ride. <laughs> that's at work. <laughs> that's in church. That's in all over. We can't do that here. That won't cut it here. Everyone here has to pull 
and make this thing happen. You know, even in, in the Old Testament times, God commanded every one of his kings not to count his chariots, not to count his armed forces. Don't count how many men you have. Don't count how many chariots you have. The reason he told them not to do that was because they would, they would begin to, to, to trust in numbers and multitudes instead of in him. So you watch this, the thing. What happened with Gideon? There's 32,000 people that sign up for a war. They were still outnumbered, but 32,000 people is a good amount of soldiers. We can do some damage, right, with 32,000. It gets cut down to 300 people. <laughs> That's really weird way to fight, God. <laughs> we were outnumbered to begin with, and you whittle us down to this really small number? doesn't make any sense. Because God doesn't deal in numbers and in authority of multitudes. All he needs is one person to agree with heaven. power of his word one person to believe it to add faith to what they hear amen so don't get caught up in we're insignificant we're small we're this many we're that many who cares if everyone here believes in the power of significance the power of of relationship with God we can do impossible things I have impossible dreams the Lord's putting on my heart for our church you look at it on paper and you try to add it up and figure out how we're going to do this, do that. It doesn't equate. Uh, we don't have enough of this. We don't have enough of that. And the Lord says, stop saying what you don't have. And he said to Moses one time, hey, what's in your hands? He's like, well, it's just a stick. Take that stick and stretch it over the, over the sea and it will part for you. The stick? Yes, the stick. What's in your hand? Samson. Takes a donkey's jawbone, a carcass of a, of a donkey, a jawbone, and kills thousands of people. I think it's a thousand. Kills a thousand people with a donkey's jawbone. One man does that with one little thing that was insignificant. That even the buzzards thought was unimportant and left it. <laughs> Amen? Lord, I ask now that you would, would drive home what you're saying to us and that we'll catch it. And that it will produce fruit. If you're here and you say, hey, we want to be significant. Why don't you raise your hand? Yeah. Now we're going to just join hands across the aisles in unity. Again, I love it. It's beautiful. And we're going to pray for each other. That God makes us significant. Amen. I want you to pray out loud until you hear your voice, okay? We got we to practice this a little more often. Pray out loud for your neighbor until you hear your voice and just pray that God will show them how important they are and that, that they'll learn the secret of the secret place with him. Let's go. Lord, I thank you for this army of people here in this room. Everything we need is right here. I see it. I trust it. I believe you. You've given us a big dream. You're a big God, and you're able to do the impossible. So, God, I pray that everyone in this room would become the warriors that they, that's inside of them, that they would be unlocked right now, and that they would become people who pull down strongholds, who destroy strongholds of the enemy, and begin to release the kingdom on this earth, Lord. 
I pray that every one of them will find their significance in you. That every one of them will begin to realize and understand who they are in you. That they are significant in you, God. That their identity is in you. And God, I ask that as we do that, we begin to release favor over us, Lord. Favor with you and with man. God, I ask that you would teach us this, the, the secret of the secret place. That everyone here will begin to develop that being with Jesus. We may be ignorant. We may not be talented. We may not know what to do. But if we can be with you, we'll have the solutions to all of life's issues. All of life's problems are found in you, God. You're the answer. So, God, I ask you, teach us as a church to pursue you in the secret place, to pursue your heart, Lord, to be like David, men and women after your heart, that we will be after your heart, Lord. Forgetting those things which are behind us, we press on. To take hold of that which has taken hold of us, Lord. <laughs> Amen. 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 Develop that secret place with God. Develop that secret history that no one else knows. Hello? Amen. I just want to pray one more blessing over you, and we're going to release you. Lord, I would just bless their families, everyone here, that every family here would host revival, that we'll learn how to, to host revival and keep the revival fire burning in our homes, and that we can do it in our church so we can do it in our community. Teach us, Lord, to fan into flame the gift that God has given us. God, I ask that you would also teach us to welcome you into our lives, and then to know how to make you so welcome you stay and abide with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we love you guys. We bless you. Amen. Be friendly. Find someone, hug a neck, encourage people. Why don't you give a word of encouragement to someone before you leave?